0: Discover more resources and continue the conversation at apologetics.org. And now, your host, the Research Professor of Bible and Theology at Trinity College of Florida, author and speaker, Dr. Tom Woodward. It's great to be with you today on The Universe Next Door. I hope
1: you're having a great universe experience wherever you are. Nick Shauna, you're right next door to me. Like maybe three feet away, that's like next door. Within the same door. Yes, indoors. Well, we are enjoying a beautiful end of the summer here in Tampa Bay and beautiful, uh, the West Coast, the Gulf Coast of Florida, and I'm excited to be sharing this uh, adventure of visiting Houston, the northwest corner of Houston today. I'm going to be talking a little bit about what we learned in our apologetics journey with Hispanic students there, and we also had an opportunity to meet at lunch with some wonderful people in Dallas, my old stomping ground. I think you knew I'd done some uh, master's work at Dallas Seminary, and it yeah. was great to see some old friends there. But today we want to continue to highlight some of the breakthroughs. I want to talk about something that is just fantastic. I just looked it up on the evolutionnews.org website, and um, just exciting. And so the date... Uh, you just look under the uh, last two weeks of August. It's going to be a series of posts there. And the key three-letter, it's actually a acronym, ATP, ATP synthase. And so if you look under ATP synthase, all the titles that are there that relate to what I'm speaking about um, are easily grabbed. You can use a search bar there at evolutionnews.org. But they're found that the rotary engine, it's even tinier than the flagellar engine or the flagellum. It's called, if you want to know the plural, it's flagella, from the Latin, flagellum. So these flagella or flagellar motors are fantastic. Some of you may have actually seen them working through a CGI rendering in the movie, Unlocking the Mystery of Life. Also, in the film that was done on Michael Behe's work as a scientist at Lehigh University. And that film is called Revolutionary. I think that, uh, would you agree that Nick uh, Shalna, that that is one of the great modern films? Oh, yeah, all the illustrious media films, but especially. Yeah, Revolutionary, uh, which is featuring Michael Behe and his entire career pointing out powerful, unmistakable, like clear-cut evidence for design in biological systems and it tells about the swirling raging storm of controversy that developed over his book Darwin's black box the response that came to it and how he replied very carefully very scientifically I might add point by point to any criticism he got and often the criticisms as they came in were like you know shrapnel they were like shells and and not really serious questions uh, but he responded anyway. And then, of course, after he responded, it was just silence. <laughs> no one would ever say, oh, yeah, I guess my point was poorly made. Or, yeah, I guess you're right. They just went on to another attack. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think we, we see a lack of integrity, maybe, in the academic world. But anyway, Michael B. He went on to write his second book, The Edge of Evolution. And then that was super powerful. I think it was equally, if not even more powerful than Darwin's Black Box. They came out in the year 2007, where he showed that it takes at least, you know, a a multitude of mutations to make even the slightest change in a system, in a, if you will, a kind of life form at the class level, or certainly at the phylum level, but even at the class level or order level I mean, you're talking about coordinated thousands of mutations. And yet, evolution, if it has to coordinate more than two, this is the key, a rule of more than two, forget about it. A mutation can take a pathway of change all day long, as long as it wants, if long as it's one mutation at a time, conferring an advantage. Rarely, there's just a long shot, but rarely it can coordinate a cluster of two or a duo i should say of two mutations and he shows that in the literature by analyzing the malarial uh, you know mutations that have been analyzed and pinned down and and through his work he's shown that if you get to three if you need three mutations the old phrase from the movie forget about it comes to mind it'll never happen i mean not even even if you filled the entire universe packed solid with rapidly mutating bacteria, you know, with a six-and-a-half-hour life uh, generation span, uh, you know, per, per generation. And if you even did come up with a few mutations and that were a triple mutations, they would have to be knit together with other further other mutations. And again, the numbers are not very favorable, to put it mildly. And so that was the thrust of his second book, basically, that macroevolution is a dream. It's a, a gossamer fantasy that is fading into the realms of mythology. And then he brought out his third book, of course, which I'm holding in my hot little hand, Darwin Devolves, The New Science About DNA That Challenges Evolution. Let me repeat that title again, Darwin Devolves. The new science about DNA that challenges evolution. And, of course, this book has just been out a matter of six months. And if you go to uh, Evolution News, you can actually see his reply to the attack that came from the science magazine. Oh, I think it was around the first week of February. And then he replied in the middle of February. And then his full uh, response, point by point, refuting everything that they said uh, in their full-scale attack came out by the end of February of this year. And that is called a train wreck of a review. (laughs) Beautiful image of a train that fell off the track. I think it was in (laughs) Copenhagen in the 1890s. So, uh, Michael Behe has done a masterful job, but his his emphasis has been on the flagellum. And now, to get back to what I was saying earlier, the ATP, what is that? Okay, it's a little uh, molecular power plant that's in every human cell. It's in every animal cell. And it's the way we generate, you know, those wonderful uh, pulsation pulsations of energy that we need in our body. And the ATP synthase is the other flagellar type, or let's say called rotary. I should use the word rotary. The other rotary engine that all living things has, and because after all, E. coli, for example, have flagellar motors, those rotary you know, outboard motors, but uh, not all of our cells. As a matter of fact, relative, relatively few human cells, if any, have that kind of, of a motion machine. We do have cilia, you know, the whip-like back-and-forth uh, oars. They're like the oars on a, on a boat or a ship, and the cilia, of course, are located all across the lining, uh, the mucus lining of our esophagus, so that's pretty cool. Um, to have all those uh, hair-like projections from your uh, esophageal uh, or or windpipe cells. And so when we see these um, powerful motors, these ATP synthase motors, you say, oh, are they really a rotary engine? Well, yes, they are literally exactly just like the flagellar motors are. They are rotary engines. And they require a coordination of the alpha. You have to have three of the alpha protein molecules all folded in together, three of the beta molecules, and they're clustered around the gamma molecule, alpha, beta, gamma, Three first three letters of the Greek alphabet. And those proteins themselves have what Michael Behe calls micro-irreducible complexity, or MIC. In other words, their sequence is extremely low probability, one chance in trillions times trillions times trillions. The numbers would have to be multiplied so that they fall off the edge of your sheet, writing them out. So the possibility of even getting one of these folded proteins that forms an exquisite part of the machinery of the ATP synthase rotary motor is extremely remote. But you have not one or two or three. You have other machine parts that modulate, that actually fine tune the the rotary engine motion, and these. As I was reading the article, my head. I mean, the the little ATP is spinning. Guess what else was spinning, Nick? Nick,
0: what was that? My head. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you,
1: you saw that one coming. Uh, and my head was spinning because I was thinking, Oh my goodness, I had no idea that these little power plants in animal cells were so amazing. And there's not one, there's not two. There are three articles that just came out in the biological world speaking about the exquisite design of the the, the systems that make these ATP synthase near 100% efficiency. Now, Nick, I'll bet you're the car that you drive. I think you have a black Nissan? Yeah. Okay. It, and as it burns gas, um, you know, it, it's burning a fuel. Ooh, carbon-based. <laughs> <laughs> Bad boy. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it's funny because even the electronic, the electric cars are burning indirectly fossil fuel. Yeah. Right. Oh,
0: yeah. It takes a lot to
1: create those. Exactly, and... to get the electronic power that goes into those cars. Anyway, so back to live action. Um, how... Close to a hundred percent efficiency is your car. Do you think it's at ninety nine percent? That'd be generous. It's probably seventy percent. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you know, and I would have to check it out. I mean, I'm sure the Nissan engineers have that all figured out. But
0: my last s- car was probably a thirty. So that's
1: <laughs> a- I think we've uh, we can all say we've driven cars with a fifty percent <laughs> or below frequent you know efficiency of energy conversion as just a certain amount of the energy is lost in transmission, as it were, from the original form to the final kinetic form, the actual motion. But the ATP synthase has such exquisite design and the wiggle ability, the ability to change conformation, that means the the protein shape, as it goes around. It's literal, you know, um, disk and there's a drive shaft There's rotors and stators and and there's a bushing system. And just to describe these things makes, you know, the design of them leap off the page. But I would encourage one and all to go to that um, report. And there's actually, like I say, several of them. There's a number of podcasts. You can actually listen to an update on this. Um, Very, very exciting development there on Evolution News. Well, These are the kinds of things that I was privileged to share as we went to Houston, just uh, literally the first part of August, and we had an opportunity to speak for three and a half days. Starting Thursday night, we went Friday, and then Saturday for six and a half hours, and then Sunday for several hours, and we were able to give an entire course online in Spanish and English. Entonces fue un placer increíble compartir... Wait, wait a minute. So, I'm sorry. Get back to English. Okay. It was a great pleasure to <laughs> share with the people of the uh, church, the Reformed Baptist Church of the of Grace, de la Gracia. I'm glad that they emphasize grace there in Waller, Texas. So where's Waller? Are you ready for this? It's near Cyprus. Wow. <laughs> so... Help me out further where Waller and Cyprus. They're on the northwest corner of Houston. And right while we were there, we visited the Lanier Library, which has one of the most splendid collections of original C.S. Lewis letters, journals. There's even a speech that he wrote. Wow. Um, pertaining to, uh, you know, living for Christ in wartime uh there are first edition books there are all kinds of amazing historical paraphernalia related to the work of C.S. Lewis and they had one of the original i think there's a total of uh 25 or, or more large jars containing manuscripts in the Qumran caves the Dead Sea Scrolls we actually got to see one of those it had been f- uh, shattered and had to be pieced together but it, it was literally one of those jars taken from the Qumran cave. We had a facsimile that looked so close to the original, you couldn't even tell the difference of the Isaiah scroll. The actual Masoretic, uh, actually this would be pre-Masoretic, but it was like the 200-year-before-Christ Isaiah scroll, the most famous, the second longest and biggest of all the scrolls in the Qumran cave collection we were able to see laid out there in a case probably 25 feet long The facsimile, the carefully duplicated, um, you know, duplicate of the Isaiah scroll. And I'm just getting started. So if you ever have a chance to go to Lanier, Texas, which, again, that's even closer to the edge, the northwest edge of Houston, don't pass up an opportunity to call or write through email the wonderful people at Lanier Theological Library, a very, very, very famous attorney who is extremely skilled in getting large um, awards uh, from drug companies, I'm told. But anyway, he's very, very excellent, uh, very capable attorney. But he's also very capable in teaching the Word. He teaches a Sunday school class at a large Baptist church near the Lanier Theological Library. And about 600 to 700 people attend every week. So he's very, very gifted. Anyway. Uh, I want to just mention that as we were reaching out into this community, this Hispanic community, I was able to show them the new way that we can understand genetics that we have developed here at the C.S. Lewis Society. And this new way of teaching genetics, I was able to do a demonstration in front of that church. And then I did a subsequent short demonstration at the Harvest Baptist Church in Cyprus, also in the Houston area. And I'm going to put up on the sister website uh, of the nonprofit that is related. It is um, sort of interconnected uh, to the C.S. Lewis Society in terms of using their materials and, and sharing them with others. And that website I'm going to share right now So if you have a pen handy or if you want to just uh, refer to this later by revisiting the podcast and going to the, well, uh, about the halfway mark and then advance another four or five minutes. Uh, But the the website that we're referring you to is called dnaandbeyond.org. And so what we're doing today is we're trying to share That uh, in addition addition to the the wonderful breakthroughs that are coming from the books of Michael Behe, Darwin Devolves, the wonderful uh, breakthroughs that have been coming through the revelation of the synthase, the ATP synthase, this rotary machine that shouts design in the pages and in the podcasts of the Discovery Institute, and, again, that's available at um, evolutionnews.org. We have a new way that you can understand the actual process that makes you, you. So I'm looking, uh, Nick, at your glorious brown beard that's coming in very beautifully. Good job. Thank you. Does your wife help you trim it? or do Yeah, you pretty I've much worked tri- very hard by doing nothing to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's quite a quite a naturally beautiful You look very much like Jesus. Yeah, that's what I was going for. As, he, as he's often pictured in the pictures <laughs> you see in Sunday school manuals. So, um each one of those those uh hairs on your face has an incredibly rich complexity of a system there in the follicle that produces the protein which makes up the individual hair. Now, can you guess, Nick, the You know, drum roll would be appropriate here. Can you guess where is the blueprint for each of those protein molecules that are put together by the hundreds of thousands and millions to make a single brown human hair coming out of your cheek? In the nucleus of every cell. Very good. Ding, 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 ding. And so the blueprint is located in the nucleus, and that nucleus is uh, containing gobs and gobs, hundreds of millions, if not uh, 3.1 billion letters of a certain molecule called DNA. Very good. Okay, now you're on a roll. Now, this is the tough one. When DNA is turned into an RNA copy, it zips out of that nucleus and it travels. It's guided through a very uh, intricate system. Uh, There's actually kind of... um, They're they're loopy threads that guide it to the location where the ribosome factory is located. And that piece of uh, messenger, it's called messenger RNA, has to go, uh, as it were, uh, looping like a piece of rope going into a tunnel. It has to go right in and be read three letters at a time by a system of smaller molecules called tRNAs. And the tRNAs, that match up with each of the three letters in the mRNA, messenger RNA, those tRNAs, which are, T stands for transfer RNAs, and if you've had any biology study, you'd probably say, oh, I remember studying that in middle school, or I remember high school, you know, freshman or sophomore biology. We studied all this, good, 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 good. Okay, so the tRNA, three letters at a time, comes over and matches with a a patch of the mRNA Mm And the tRNA is holding on to a very important little molecule that is like a building block of another chain. For 50 points, what is that small molecule that the tRNA, tRNA is hanging on to? Amino acids? Ding, 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 ding! Wow. Fist bump. <laughs> sure I didn't miss Okay, yeah. Very good, OK. I did not put him up for this. I did not even pre-train, pre-brief. Very it's all good. up on the board. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so impressed. Okay, so and we actually, I'm looking over here. Do you see the pile over there? Does it, yeah, those are our little amino acids. Aren't they cute? Oh,
0: yeah. I was looking at the beef jerky.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. That's our secret. <laughs> Beyond the beef jerky, sitting there over by the wall, are we have a pile of our yes. cute little cutout. They look like puzzle pieces. Very well done. Thank you. I'll yeah. pass the word on to my friend, a designer, John Buell of Buell Design in Dallas, Texas. And so those, we have seven of them that literally lock together in a chain. But they also, because of the grabber, they have a protruding piece that is grabbed a hold of by the transfer RNA. And John Buell has helped us to design a little black tRNA that has a cloverleaf shape and the extended arms of that cloverleaf. It looks like a cross with a little bulby round end to it. And the and the clover leaf, as it were, folds its hands. The hands come up and kind of clasp together, and the the bottom of it is the three letter, as it were, fingers that that match up with the letters of the codon or the the informational word in the RNA. And at the top, it's grabbing a hold of its appropriate amino acid, and that amino acid is the one that corresponds with the three letters. It's kind of like SOS. Do you remember? I don't know if, it, if you ever were in Boy Scouts. I was in Boy Scouts, and I had to learn the Morse code. And the Morse code was pretty cool. I've lost my memory of almost all of it. <laughs> but, but it was cool. Yeah. So, but I think H was four dots. Dot, 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 dot. Well, I, I think I did this three. Dot, 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 dot. That's four. That's H. Okay, SOS. Dot, 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 dot. So three dots, three dashes, and then three dots. That's SOS. That's one thing you never forget. Anyway, in the same way that the Morse code has a special code that stands for one letter, each of these three letters on the messenger RNA stands for a single amino acid. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's incredible. It's, it's amazing. It's a digital code system, just like a computer. And so that's what we're showing in our new digital Two-minute briefing that we're uploading just today. So as you hear this, you can go to dnaandbeyond.org, and and you can actually see, uh, it's like just slightly over two minutes, our new demo where we're introducing uh, the rest of our genetics, epigenetics, and we call them the friends of DNA. DNA has new friends, and they are the transfer RNA that looks like a cross, and then that cute little amino acid that can be brought in and formed as a protein chain. So we have a way of sharing not only biology, the basics of biological construction of proteins through DNA and RNA, we have a way that we can say, hey, this code is written by an intellect, a super intellect. So if you're interested in having a personal relationship with that super intellect, we encourage you to check it out Uh, Go visit our our website, apologetics.org. A lot of the videos might be helpful. And give us a shout. Just uh, write us and share your story. Share us where you are in your story at information at apologetics.org. Thanks for joining us. See you back here next week.